This is a Strategist, episode 1282. My name is Zane Velcher. With me, as always, Corey Hogan and, of course, Stephen Carter. Guys, how are you? I'm doing really well, Zane. I, uh, I'm really excited about tonight. Uh, Hamilton's going to Ferrari. Uh, it's a big day. You know, people are talking about uh, this, you know, on the Ferrari world. But then mm-hmm. Andretti got turned down as a team. So I'm kind of, I don't know which way to feel. I'm kind of lackluster. Oh, I'm, so, I'm actually, I'm glad you mentioned this. Um, speaking of locomotives, this episode is, of course, brought to us by our sponsor, Flair Airlines. Flair Airlines, you deserve a relaxing tax holiday. Corey, uh, how is your life uh, going? Everything's going well? Sorry, Zane. I meant to mention to you before the show, yeah. uh, Flair has run into a, a, a few problems tax-wise with the government. And yeah. so as part of their settlement, our sponsorship actually shifted to the government of Alberta as well. So you're going to need to do a... I'm, I'm not going to restart, but if you, you just, you know, if, if you can just redo that one for the government of Alberta. For the, for the government of Alberta? Uh, Flair. Okay, yeah. Maybe I'll do that at the end. Uh, it's, it's a little, oh. a little too much to swallow right now. I feel like it's a, <laughs> it's, a it's a bit heavy, right? Um, yeah. we were yeah. going for light and comedic and then you just went dark and not comedic there by bringing the government of Alberta. And if it was the government of Canada, yeah. we could laugh at that. Cause that's pretty funny. Uh, but what are we doing, Corey? Well, you know, I assume they owe money to the government of Alberta as well as the government of Canada. You did hear my promo like for them was you deserve a relaxing tax holiday. You did hear. I okay. did. Yeah. I then did. why did you feel yeah. like you needed to mention your part? Cause I felt like I took care of. All Why are we fighting? What's going like, on? I feel like I took care of all of it. <laughs> what, I just, I just on, felt guys? like I, I nailed it. And and Corey, you know what? I'm just, yeah. I'm going to settle in here. Are you ocean? Is that an yeah. ocean spray? Yeah, it's an ocean spray. But I'm actually going to make a bit of a, a mixed drink. I okay, that's here, good. So. That's good. Uh, Carter, are we drinking any, for this episode? Um, Carter, are is Sunny D or Capri Sun? Oh, Sunny D. Capri Sun is like drinking vinegar. <laughs> that's it's wrong. Terrible. Once again, he's wrong. Corey, Capri Capri Sun or Sunny D? Sunny D. What is wrong with both these? Sunny D is oil and orange. And it tastes delicious. Oh my God, no. Okay. It's, it's nothing but oil and orange. Again, like oil and orange. That sounds really good. So, What are you mixing? Is that mustard? Um, uh, no, no, Zay. It's it's another part of my drink here. Yeah. <laughs> Which is, what is it? I'm, I'm a very sophisticated. There we go. Yeah. Okay. That's nice. It's, okay. uh, it's ginger. I'm adding ginger to it. That's what's happening here. Oh, great. You got oh, stomach trouble. I was troubles? hoping it would be louder when I did it. If I'm yeah, it was not very loud this at was all. A high effort bit. For it me. was, it was not, I don't, well, okay. 0 for 2 for Corey Hogan, uh, for those hey. keeping track at home. Carter, should we talk about what everyone is talking about? Should we, should we jump into it? Sure. Were you talking about Andretti? We are not talking about Andretti. Corey, have you anything oh, to get okay. out of the way before? Uh, yeah, we're talking about, now I had Nenshi running for leader of the NDP. Oh, yeah, we we're talking about that. Of... I feel like that's what we should, that's what we should talk about. Yeah. Um, as I say, as I say, uh, purple is a new orange. Oh, that's <laughs> that, that is what I say, uh, Corey. No, we're not going to be talking about that. Although we can at some point, well, we are going to be about talking that, about. But... We're going to be talking about Corey, the new. Well, I don't even know what to call it. The Alberta's trans policy proposal. We're going to be jumping into that with our first segment. We're going to call this one, two, three, Corey. And here's how it's going to work. We're going to spend the entire episode on this one particular topic. And the one in that topic is I'm going to get your top line reaction. One question to that. The two in the topic, Stephen Carter, is I've got two questions on strategy that have been swirling around kind of in the media orbit. But I, I, I think we would be doing a disservice to our listening audience if we didn't actually address the strategy questions to it. And then the three is I'm going to put you guys in 15-minute timed scenarios 
one after another after another, you guys work together, uh, where you are going to address how to react to this, plan for this, strategize for this, for three very different groups. And so it's the one, two, three. And Corey, at the top, I mean, we can give folks a a bit of an understanding in terms of what Danielle Smith has done uh, and what she has announced, but the framing of her... uh, package, so to speak, or her video, which came out yesterday, and we recorded on a Thursday, uh, required parental notification consent for students age 15 and under who wanted to change their names or pronouns at school, while for teens 16 and 17, the parents would be informed but not need to consent. It would ban top and bottom gender-affirming surgeries for all all Albertans ages 17 and under. And ban hormone therapy for gender reassignment purposes for those 15 and under, uh, unless their treatment has already begun. It would require parental notification and opt-in requirement with teachers intend to teach about LGBTQS plus issues such as gender and sexual identity. And it would implement restrictions around transgender women participating in women's sports citing quote-unquote safety while suggesting expanded co-ed or gender-neutral league uh, for trans athletes as an alternative. Corey, this was not just one thing. This was not just a parental rights, you know, suite of policies. This was far-reaching. This was wide. This was extensive. We'll talk about the comms in the second. But Corey, your initial reaction when you absorbed, outside of the comms, the policy and what was being proposed by the Premier of Alberta? Yeah. Well, it was it was a lot, Right. It was a lot in a lot of context. It was a lot in that I think everybody was getting ready for pronoun policy and everybody was getting ready for the parental notification policy. And certainly that's been teased for quite a bit. But it was many more policies than that. It became quite a suite of things. And uh, it was a lot in that it's it's a lot like it. it is quite um, quite. I'll just say I feels like an attack on transgendered people in Alberta. Because as much as the framing that was teased out beforehand was parental rights, the reality is most of the list you've just listed is not about parental rights. Not at all. It is is in many cases actually removing parental rights. Uh, For example, if you want to talk about hormone therapy, right? No longer a choice a parent makes with a doctor and the child. Now it's a choice the government has made for them. So, you know, there's, there's not consistency on that front. If you're looking for consistency in this suite... It's consistency in that it wants to make it difficult to be transgendered in the province of Alberta. And I think that's, that's a lot. That's, that's pretty damning. And that's, I think, it, it feels like even more than what the UCP base was looking for. So it'll be interesting as we get into this here. But I mean, quite a battery and a lot of conversation online as to whether it's you know more than some american jurisdictions mm. certainly people think this is as far as anybody's ever gone in canada on these matters and i guess i also mean it's a lot in the third case right which is this is the entire government of alberta the you know 60 billion dollar corporation that it is coming down on an issue that affects relatively few people but affects them deeply and, and those people are often amongst the most disadvantaged and most discriminated against on the country, you know, in the country, in the province, for sure. And so that's, that's pretty wild, too. Like, it's quite a wild use of government power to create blanket rules for cases that are almost, by definition, 
you know, edge cases, right? Mm-hmm. Edge cases that require kind of nuance and thought and and probably giving kind of personal consideration to instead of blanket rules. So, I, I mean, it, many people, I would put myself in this, feel a little bit overwhelmed by mm. this. They're not quite sure how they should process it. And we'll get into the politics of it, I'm sure, big time. But it, it also is kind of depressing because you do know that the majority of Canadians, not just Albertans, are likely to support these initiatives because most people won't think super deeply about it. These are minority rights, you know, by definition, not in the majority. And um, yeah, you can just say a couple of quick phrases like, ah, parental rights. And, uh, and people, people will support because that's, that's how people do. And that, uh, that kind of sucks too. And it's an interesting, it's an interesting political decision. The government made that it can have real ramifications on real people and it's going to cost lives. I will say that right now, with certainty. It may have already cost its first lives, for all I know. Uh, this is um, a lot. Carter, Corey, Corey talks about hate. Uh, we've talked about you know groups that have been disproportionately discriminated, targeted. Your thoughts when you first absorbed what our premier proposed? My thoughts are number one. I think that. She has gone very far in this and grabbed a a whole bunch of things to mix up together. Uh, Corey's point about this not all being parental rights is bang on. Um, Parental rights is not about trans women in sports. I mean, the, the, uh, the league of their own for trans women to participate in is hilarious to me. Um, It just makes me laugh. Like what's everybody going to do? Get on a bus and get together and, and uh, you know, the people from Northern Alberta will be the one half. Like this is such a small group of people and, and even smaller is the group of people who are participating in sports where like we'd be talking single digits. One of the things I've been thinking about is that in every school or every other school, this impacts someone, not a dozen people in every school, not 20 people in every school in one in every other school. And to, to pick on that class because they are so small is, really overwhelmingly uh, oppressive. The bu- the word bullying doesn't even come close to actually addressing the type of action that this is. Um, and then the, the, the gender affirming pieces. I mean, she's lumped in pieces that are already in place and proposed them as though they're brand new law, right? Um, and, and if you've seen my Twitter feed today, you'll get a real good sense of how people think that, you know, f- children very young children are being quote unquote mutilated. Um, my Twitter feed has gone crazy because the trolls are all over this saying that there's some sort of group, some enormous group of children that are being forced into gender reassignment surgery. Um, you can't get bottom reassignment surgery until you're 16. This is exactly what she's proposing, right? Like she is proposing the rule that already exists and saying, look at this, I'm going to make this go away. Look at this, I'm going to make things better for trans people. She is, um, by doing this kind of masterful communications job that she did, and let's be clear, it was a masterful communication because she has now framed the issue entirely under parental rights when it is really about bigotry and uh, controlling a small group of population. And she's gotten some natural allies on that on the parental rights thing, especially within various religious communities. And that to me is just, oh man, it just is problem on top of problem on top of problem. Cause now, you know, 
us fighting back, a group of people fighting back, are immediately going to be behind the eight ball because she's defined things so widely. That's why you'll see Corey and I, almost every time we do a strategy session, what do we talk about? Frame the issue first. And Danielle Smith framed the issue, and she framed it exceptionally well. Uh, sadly, she frame, framed it for bigotry and uh, hatred. Corey, uh, Carter's already hit on exactly what I want to go on, which was, I got your one, which was your guys' initial reaction. Now let me go into two strategy questions. And Carter's hit on, and given me his response, I'm going to go to you on this. Was this a masterful communications job? And for those who haven't seen it or haven't watched this seven and a half minute video, um, it comes with a video alongside a press conference today. We record on Thursday, February 1st. Um, But in it, outside of and you can feel free to talk about, you know, the video itself and how it was shot and the language that was used. But the cloud cover of parental rights, uh, casing a lot of these things, uh, going after, as Carter mentioned, things that are already impossible to do or already legislated, uh, making her sort of uh, acts redundant. Was this, from your assessment, to Carter's point, masterful communications? Mm. I, it was it was very workmanlike communications. I'm not sure it elevates to masterful, and I'll, I'll tell you why. Mm. It was it was a layup, right? I, I alluded to this, but I want to put it out there. Canadians are already there. Like Canadians want to be informed if their children change pronouns. Canadians are opposed to the things that are already banned. And Carter's right. Um, if you're under 18, you can't get bottom surgery anyways, right? So pretty easy to ban. Um, but let's give some numbers here. There's a Leger poll in October. 63% of Canadians support schools having to inform of name or pronoun changes, only 22% opposed. That's it's almost a three to one ratio. That's more popular than the Alberta pension plan is unpopular. And the Alberta pension plan's pretty fucking unpopular. That same poll also asked if Canadians would support the use of the notwithstanding clause, the overriding mm-hmm. the constitutional mm-hmm. rights and the Charter of Rights of Freedom. Like we talk about the notwithstanding clause so casually now. This is overriding constitutional rights. Yeah. Now, it's in the Constitution, but it's overriding the rights that would otherwise be guaranteed here. Nearly half of Canadians support the use of that in, in that scenario, and, and that, you know, more than don't. And so Canadians are there. Canadians are just looking for an argument that makes them feel like not incredibly squeamish about it. So Danielle Smith's first two minutes where she showed compassion and said, hey, you know, this is kind of, you know, these are complicated issues and tough to talk about, blah, 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 for many people. You know, that is exactly where Canadians want to be. She she fed people exactly what they wanted to be fed. And again, I'm going to underline those numbers I gave. Those are Canadian numbers, right? Mm-hmm. That's not Alberta mm-hmm. numbers. Mm-hmm. That's Canada-wide numbers. So in that sense, it was a bit of a layup. So I don't, I don't know. Like, I would think masterstroke of communications, I would... I would reserve for either this being pulled out at a time that was more functional. I'm sure we'll get to, you know, is there any kind of like political upside at this mm-hmm, particular mm-hmm, moment at mm-hmm. some point? Or if, if you really kind of change people's minds on like a really big matter that they felt very differently about at one point. But but all she did was was tell people what they wanted to hear. And, and she bundled it together with a bunch of other stuff that I'm sure will be fairly popular. But um, yeah, I, you know, I, I got to say... Insofar as I, uh, if this was their plan, I'm almost impressed. I hate using that word here. Like the idea of parental notification, like that's not what everyone's talking about today, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, that's just such a small part in some ways uh, of everything else that went on. And 
And so it's really kind of moved the conversation and the Overton window, if you will, on this particular matter in the course of like 24 fucking hours. Corey, can you help me with that? You said you're impressed with, just so I understand clearly, what are you impressed with here exactly? Well, you've got, you listed off seven things that were there. Like like, like a, a, a diverse package. Absolutely. It feels like at this point, even if the government were to retreat, you would still have all of the parental notification things that we knew were coming this week, right? Like, the conversation is just, it's just over in a different field than potentially we thought it was going to be at this particular moment. And it just seems utterly impossible that parental notification is just not going to be the way things are. Uh, for the next bit, right? You know, maybe they'll run into some weird speed bumps on the sports stuff. Maybe they'll run into the absolute logistical nightmare that is sending to the ministry all of the content that has to do in any way, shape, or form with uh, human sexuality. And by the way, the kind of the conflation of like sex and gender, like sexuality and, you know, the study of sex and, and gender, I, I think is a very intentional move too, to to make it seem like it's all about sex. Right. Yeah. And then, you know, like those things I could see maybe falling or changing or shifting, but I just don't know that like the, the ultimate core of it, this notification is, is going anywhere. She's really shifted the window on this. Well, and that's the part that's the most dangerous too. But I think Corey's made a really good point in, in kind of by shifting the window. If she has to give up a few things, if Danielle Smith has to give up a couple of the points of the 11 things that have kind of been listed off in this in this piece of legislation, it's not even a piece of legislation. These are now just yeah, it's principles. Policy. Yeah. yeah. Um, what If she starts giving those things up, she's not going to have to give up parental rights. Parental rights is right in the core of this. So that's also the most dangerous part. That's the part that, that, that will cost kids lives because we all assume that parents are responsible and parents are responsible for their children and they'll raise their children responsibly. That's a fascinating assumption. It's just wrong, right? 40% of kids on the street, keeping in mind that the LGBTQ population represents some 10% of the population, four times the representation that they should have, 40% plus are already on the streets. Parents aren't doing their jobs. They're not taking in this information and responding rationally or with responsibility. If parents were responding rationally with responsibility, then maybe we could talk about parental rights. But I'll tell you something, we are not going to talk about parental rights in this country, not on my watch, not without talking about parental responsibilities. Mm. So if your kid winds up on the street, I want you fucking charged. I want you charged with with neglect. I want you charged. And, and, and God damn it. One of the things that she did is she talked about strengthening up those CPA, the Child Protective Services rules. She, this is why I thought it was a masterful conversation or masterful communication. She was able to put out um, the push and pull on, on a number of different things and say, oh, don't, don't worry about that. We'll, we'll get them after the kid is dead. We'll get them then. We'll get them after the case. And I know what you're referring to. This is this is about, you know, in the rare, and I'm going to paraphrase the premier, in the rare circumstance where someone's parent or parents are not in line with these sort of decisions, so to speak, you know, we'll, yeah. we'll, we'll just strengthen up the, 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 the system-wide level to, to make sure it happens, is what you're alluding to, Carter. I, yeah. I'm going to move it on, because we're going to have an opportunity to actually tease out the politics with the scenarios I'll have. So that was question number one on, on testing out some things floating around. Carter, here's the second one. I'll start with you on this one, um, on strategy. Okay. Has she wedged the NDP in their leadership race to to be 
consumed about this. And and maybe I'll, maybe Corey's pointing at himself. Uh, yeah, and he, he, he gets, I want he, this one. He gets five veto points uh, a, a year um, yeah. offered to us by our sponsor, uh, the government of Alberta, Flair Airlines. Uh, but Corey, uh, you you'll take a veto on this. Has she wedged them? Or, or what, is she, what has she done by making this so prominent this week as the NDP enter their leadership race? Well, I got a- absolutely nothing. Or, yeah, absolutely nothing. Here, can I can I tell you what I think is interesting about? It? I feel like they were maybe even trying to wedge the NDP on this. Mm. You think there was an attempt? It, like actually, a, like a this like is a contest. Out. This is a contest for the NDP leadership. You can join the NDP. You've probably already made decisions on these particular matters, and you're probably quite supportive of transgender rights. So as much as I said it was like 60-20, guess what? Guess where the NDP membership base is from? It's the 20. This is going to fire people up. This is actually going to probably sell them more memberships. It's not going to be very difficult for the NDP leadership contestants to take that particular position, uh, nor should it be, frankly. But it's not like there's a general election just around the corner where you have to worry about those Gen Pop numbers. Uh, And this is an opportunity for them to remind themselves why they're all on the same team. And this is an opportunity for them to build their team with people who are going to be very animated on this particular issue. So, like, I can't even imagine an NDP leadership candidate being remotely squeamish about this or remotely hedge about this. And I can't see how it would cause them any consternation whatsoever. Like, they all know exactly who they are on this. And there's just no problem. Before before I come go to you, Carter. And I know you wanted to jump in. Uh, I was supposed to be first. You were, but but Corey used one of his five vetoes given to us. I used by one of my sponsor. vetoes. Yeah, I'm yeah, going to yeah. use two more tonight, maybe. Oh, I don't they, know. Just I'm putting you. Yeah, in they expire. They expire uh, February first of each year. That's our that's our calendar here, Carter. Okay. Uh, hey, I'll come to you in one second, uh, Corey. I am curious about exploring your comment around maybe even the government was trying to wedge the NDP. Can you explore that for me? Like, what do you think sure. they were trying to do? And I think that's the root of like perhaps where this comment from me comes from and like their their attempt yeah. what do you think the attempt was if there was an attempt well look the timing is uh suspicious right it's the first week after the ndp leadership rules come out there is no obvious catalyst for this at this particular moment what is the thing that has occurred where the government says oh february 1st middle of a school year time to act right like wouldn't you normally bring in policies that affect kind of notification and consideration like that at the I don't know, end of a school year, or if you, there's legislation that's required, wouldn't you do that? I don't know when the legislation or the legislature is sitting. Why February? It wasn't even February 1st. It was January 31st. This all went down. Why? What, what is special about that? What is magical about that? You can create like fake reasons why, but you can't create real ones. There is nothing that would recommend January 31st being the day you bring in a policy like this. And so you have to start looking at why else on the calendar you might have considered it. Well, I mean, if I want to be incredibly charitable, they wanted to do it before the legislature was back. But again, why would you do it this week? Like, you, you've got four weeks before the legislature is back. If, um, you know, if I wanted to suggest that maybe they were just taking work as it was coming along and in the order of things, then they would have done it last week because they started foreshadowing all of this shit last week. They were clearly ready on their policy last week. So, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. no, I mean, like, even if it was like, we've got a range of five weeks, let's pick this week. They picked this week for a reason. It might not have been a great reason. It might not have been the only reason they did it, but let's be fucking real. You know, there was at least some consideration of that as this all went down. Carter, is this a wedge? Is it a good one? Is it one that will work? 
Listen, it's not a good wedge. It's not a wedge that should matter at all. I mean, Corey's exactly right. The 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 side that is conducting its leadership should be united on one side. Um, the challenge that this brought along was that sometimes people in politics aren't really good at politics. I heard a, a number of people talking about uh, how the you know the NDP lost in Calgary Cross and Calgary East because of this. Right. Well, no. No, that's not you. This why they lost is their inability to address some of this, their inability to to speak to some of these issues. But they didn't lose because of this issue. They lost for all kinds of different reasons, um, not because of this issue. So why they lose, Carter? I don't know. As a matter of fact, Jane, I, I was <laughs> far more lose? interested in hearing from you uh, why they lost. Um, but I guess we're never going to know. We're never going to know. Dragging my heels for months. Uh, can Quite I also say, like, I this. don't think it's bad for the, even in the politics context, you've now got a bunch of leadership camps that are going to be talking about this in impassioned ways and figuring out the arguments that work best with the general population and kind of a low risk environment because they're not competing for the general population right now, right? Like they are, they're working with the base. The base all agrees, right? So they can field test a bunch of different arguments. They can go out there and they can champion this issue in a lot of different ways. It's not as though anybody is going to hedge on it and say, oh, Danielle Smith's got a point. That's not going to fucking happen. But it does allow them to field test process arguments, allows them to field test moral arguments, allows them to field test an awful lot of things. And ultimately, because there's so many leadership contestants and only going to be one leader, a lot of those can just be left by the wayside at a certain point, right? Like, it's just, you know, I don't think it's actually bad for the NDP whatsoever. And like I said, I think it could be quite animating for a prospective base who's going to say, yeah, this is too much. This is just, this is just too much. And I've got to get off the sidelines and I'm going to buy a membership and, you know, I'm going to support somebody on this particular matter. Carter, there is only roughly 45 minutes left in the show. Do you know how I know that? Because no we we are going to do a timed exercise, okay? We're gonna we're Uh-oh. gonna put fifteen minutes on the clock. This moves on to, to part number three. Part number one, I got your top line take. Part number two, two strategy questions you answered for me. Part number three, I'm gonna put you guys in three distinct scenarios. Time them out for 15 minutes, and you come up with the best strategy. And what we're gonna do is we're gonna actually play this like in real time. This is Thursday night. Each one of these groups is probably having conversations, whether it be on WhatsApp or iMessage, maybe doing a Zoom call, maybe even meeting in person, talking about what they need to do about this issue. You are going to help us uh, in all three of those cases, but only for 15 minutes. So your your, your level of expertise, your pithiness, how crisp you are, how sharp you are, that's all going to matter as we try to come out for the best strategy uh, and the best strategies for these groups. Here's the three groups, Okay. And you, I'll let you guys. I'll let you guys have some say in this. You can pick which one we do first. Stephen Carter, one group that we're going to address tonight is your best friend David Parker and Take Back Alberta. What are they doing tonight? What is their strategy? Probably premier aligned, but what do they need to do? How do they need to think about things tonight as this moves forward? These are only policies. This is not legislation. They expect some sort of uh, fight back from many groups. What do they need to think of? They are group number one. Carter, group number two. We've already kind of loosely addressed them, especially through Corey's last comments. You are an NDP leadership camp. How are you thinking about this tonight? What are you thinking about? How are you thinking about doing it? Are you even thinking about drawing daylight on this issue between your leadership contenders? We'll discuss that. That's group number two. And Carter, group number three, you're a nonprofit 
nonprofit charity, maybe, uh, who advocates for trans youth, LGBTQ plus as people. You have a $50,000 budget that a donor has put on your uh, radar tonight and said, you know, maybe this can get you get started on a campaign. Well, can, you, can you do something with this? And they have to discuss tonight because they want to launch a campaign Monday morning. So, okay. group number one, David Parker, Take Back Alberta. Group number two, you are nine o'clock discussing with your leadership team around what we need to do as an NDP leadership candidate. Group number three, you're a small little nonprofit or charity in this province, and a donor is giving you 50 grand. Can this maybe kickstart a campaign to do something? Carter, I'll give you the first take because I let Corey use a veto. Which uh, which group are we going to first as we as we spend fifteen minutes on each of these, um, Carter? I'm going to choose NDP leadership camp. I am going to hit go on the clock, Carter. What we'll do is we'll do this back and forth. You give us you give us one element of a strategy. I'm not even going to list them out for you. Give us one element of strategy, Corey. You build on it. We'll try to go back and forth. I will try to help mold questions along the way. Maybe ask questions. Um, and then at the 15 minute mark, we'll summarize and we'll move on. We're good. Well, I guess so. The first strategic question that most people will be asking in the leadership camp is Does this help us or hurt us? And let us dispense with that question relatively quickly. This helps you because you're trying to reach a very, very small group of people. You're not trying to reach a, a huge, large number of uh, people in a leadership. Um, I would imagine the total number of NDP members will be around 50,000, maybe 55 or 60,000 if they're doing really well. So where do you find, you know, 20,000 pissed off people? Well, you find them in the LGBTQ community. I would have come out with a strong statement the first moment you can on the um, perverse nature of this policy. And I'd pick it apart piece by piece. I wouldn't necessarily go after every all 11 pieces because I think that that might be too much, but I would be digging in on the parental rights and the risk to children. And you can pick any number of different talking points, but once you address that first strategic strategic question, does this help us or hurt us? You got to choose help. And I'll give one example. We chose Aish. Why did we choose Aish when Allison Redford was running? Because there's 60,000 people who get Aish in the province of Alberta, and there are six people that care about each one of those 60,000 people. Now, in this particular case, it's not just the trans children. It's, tra- it's trans activists. It's trans people. It's, it's LGBTQ. It is a huge population base that if you can be the first mover and say, this is fucking wrong, then you have the opportunity to immediately start bringing in uh, memberships and selling memberships at a time, frankly— when selling memberships is quite t- tricky. Corey, your thoughts on this. Do you need to be first here is, is one of the things Carter is explaining. And do you need to highlight what's wrong? Do you need to explain what's wrong? G- answer a few of Carter's questions or build on Carter's questions and give me your own thoughts. Um, I don't know if you need to be first, but you need to be strongest. And often being first is, is somewhat tied to that, I will admit. Uh, you know, the thing I would say is think about the UCP and their election and how... Um, anti-vax sentiment sort of animated them and pulled them forward. Well, think about what animates the NDP similarly. Like you wouldn't look at the anti-vax movement and say that's generally good 
politics overall with the general population, right? But it certainly animated kind of base energy, right? And it brought forward base energy. I think the same is true here for the NDP. So uh, I agree with what Stephen said about how this is likely to bring people out to buy memberships to vote. Um, But what I think is interesting here and where it does not track to the anti-vax considerations, you know, even setting aside kind of the moral considerations around Mm -hmm, that is mm -hmm, mm -hmm. in the UCP race, that was a bit of a wedge, right? There were, there were shades of the view. What's different about the NDP race is there is no wedge. Like they all believe the exact same thing. I, you know, we, all of us, we all know all of them. There is not a bit of daylight between their positions, right? They are all outraged tonight. Every single one of those five caucus members that are in, you know, in that race unofficially right now are furious about this particular matter. And they don't have different policies from one another. And so I do think each of the camps is going to have to think about how their particular action on this portfolio reinforces the brands that they are trying to Mm -hmm. create for themselves, Mm -hmm. right? So uh, some of them, it will be more natural fits than others. And, you know, if you're, if you're looking to be, if you're Kathleen Ganley, for example, and you're looking to be, let's just say your brand was the Calgary candidate. I'm not sure it is. I, you will have to revisit some of these things from the outside at some point because, you know, oh, yeah, we will. Apparently, you know, the economy is about people, I keep seeing on Kathleen's feed. So, whatever that means <laughs> seems to be her brand. But if, if you were the Calgary candidate, that's this is less of a natural fit for you. This is not sort of working for you in the same particular way, right? If you're Sarah Hoffman and your brand is like, we are going to be so true to our values, a little bit more of a natural fit. Right. If you're Rocky Pancholi and it's, you know, I am going to be the candidate that grows this party and makes this party as inclusive as can be and like expands it. Yeah, this is pretty natural fit for you, too. Right. Which is, again, not to say that somebody is going to be on a different side of this issue, but it allows you kind of to to tell your story while doing the things that you want to do and you feel you need to do anyhow here. So uh, maybe I'll just leave it there. But my first thought is. It's not a wedge. And so it is going to change a little bit how you kind of look at it. But I do ultimately agree it is an animating issue. Great, great insights already. we got 10 minutes left on the clock. Carter, I want to test this, though. So Corey talks about, you guys both agree, this is positive, right? Like, and from a pure political basis, right? Yeah. Just to be totally clear with people who are listening. For the I'm not saying, yes, I'm yeah. not saying this is positive. But this is good for you. Okay, good. We're talking about politics here. Um, daylight. I like what Corey's talking about, that there's minimal daylight. Carter, do you agree that there's minimal daylight? I want to test this with you. If any daylight between the candidates? And then how would you advise a candidate to to draw distinction? If there is no daylight, how do you draw distinction? There's many ways to do that. There's the approach. There's how you, you know, there's many, but I'm kind of curious. Uh, to, I, I'm using my second veto here. What the one fuck sentence. is going on tonight? <laughs> That is not the way that you want to approach this. Like when you're talking about the need to hang together, the idea that you would try to create a wedge, I think is a problem. Go, Stephen. Oh, I'm, 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 I'm curious if this is actually the root of my question. It's, it's whether, not how, right, to, to Carter, which is, Carter, should you be trying to create a wedge here? Even in, even in approach, in, in how you would approach wedge. Actually, a wedge you know, between I'm the leadership. My, my third veto okay, to okay, apologize to Stephen for interrupting and offer him my fourth veto that he can use oh, when wow. he sees fit tonight. No, and, I'm, yeah. uh, I'm not going to use yeah. any fucking vetoes because Car- I'm going to start uh, talking. Carter's got six He's got a pocket veto. Here's now. the thing. Here's the thing. <laughs> the, the, you don't want to wedge this within the NDP itself. You mm. want to make this a values defining moment. And I'll tell you something. If I was in, in the campaigns of 
um, you know, Sarah Hoffman, Rocky Pancholi, uh, Kathleen Ganley. I'd actually be trying to wedge this against Nahad Nenshi. Nahad Nenshi did not have a particularly good night on Twitter last night. Um, and even even the sainted Corey Hogan was tweeting at the purpleness. Um, this is a wedge about who the fucking NDP is at its core. This is this is this is who we are fundamentally. And if you don't believe that this is who we are fundamentally, then you can't be a part of us. And I think that that's great. I think that 40 percent of the population is fantastic for them uh, to go and get in the leadership. Uh, bring this in, make it, make this defining and don't make this about anything bigger than, um, then this is what the NDP stands for. And we will stand together on this. I like them. I like them doing it all at once. Um, I, I, but I also like someone being the first mover and fucking defining it and owning it. If you can't be the first mover, then piggyback on everybody else. Don't try and wedge within the party. Corey, what what does if there's no daylight? Can I ask a clarifying question? What does strongest sure. mean when you said the strongest? What what does that mean to you on something like this? It doesn't mean the yeah. loudest, right? Just so we're absolutely clear. No, no, no. I mean, here's and this is why I made the comment about you got to think about how it works into your brand frame too, because you don't want to just sort of elevate an issue in a way that actually speaks to your your opponent's strengths in a particular leadership race. Although, again, like, this is one of those things that sort of tips into kind of like the principles and the morals of the party. And so, you know, you got to be careful that you're not being too calculating about it, too. You've got to not you've got to put your ambition second to the stance on this particular one, Um, Mm -hmm. because that is so important to the party. And that goes to Stephen's point. Uh, Although I do want to say, like, what Nahed Nenshi was getting burned online for was saying that it was really, really good. And I think thoughtful or something, communications or something. And people said, hey, yeah, he, he, he. yeah, she kind of fucked over trans kids. I don't want to hear that. But, you know, to be fair to Nahed, Stephen and I have made similar comments now on this podcast tonight about, about the communications. Yeah, but we're not but, running for the leadership of anything, <laughs> that's a are we? Very good point. Uh, but like, yeah. that's, you know, that's, that's the issue we're talking about. Lest anybody think that Nahed said something like wild there, right? Um, it was still pretty wild not to just come out and, you know, call it down. For a person who's considering the leadership, it was a pretty. It, it was a pretty bold rumor, place, you know. Allegedly, we, we, yeah. we will never know. Um, can <laughs> no, I, oh, sorry. Well, yeah, no, no. no I, I, I asked, you, I asked you about strength here. Uh, I'm gonna, yeah. I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna look at the clock because I'm gonna. Six minutes, Corey. Okay. L- l- launches are coming up. How yeah. do you make this a cornerstone of your launch? Are you like tonight being like, fuck it, let's just like take everything out. Like this is a campaign. No. How, how are you uh, blending this in? Talk to me about that a bit. Yeah, like, so what is strength in this particular situation is people are going to say, holy, ever-loving fuck, look at this government, and oh my god, we're on the mat again, where we being kind of some broadly defined progressivism in Alberta, Mm -hmm, right? mm -hmm. Well, who can best champion here? Who can best stand up for us here? And then there are flavors Mm -hmm. of that. And this is why I say it goes back to brand too. There are going to be people who say it's the person who brings the most brimstone, the most righteous indignation, mm-hmm, that, mm-hmm. you know, just absolutely destroys Danielle Smith for her, for her moral grounds on this. And there are going to be people who say the strongest means they are actually able to move the meter on this. They have managed to persuade Albertans who were at first supportive of this, that these are bad ideas. And so they've shown that they can actually talk to people and bring them into the tent and they can articulate an argument that, that moves the dial in some way, shape or form, or they show a certain thoughtfulness, right? 
these are different flavors of strongest, but the point of it is you are going to need to define it in a way that works for your brand. And you're going to need to make sure that that is, is sort of how the issue is addressed. And, and, you know, people will make their judgments based on who they are and what they believe, but that's what we mean when we say strongest. And, you know, in some ways, fire and brimstone is kind of the most satisfying, Mm -hmm. right? Like, Oh, you really, really punched her you know, in the gut there with that particular comment about how, how shitty she is because of these things that she's brought in. There will be a huge audience for that. But I think overall, this leadership race is about how what gets the NDP to the next step, right? Like what's going to get them the equivalent of those 6,000 votes that they lost by won't be the same votes, won't happen in the same way. And so I think there'll be also a big audience of people saying like, okay, well, we got a tough one. So who can, who can show that they can lead Albertans on this and actually shape opinion in Alberta and maybe move opinion polls on this particular matter? And what does that look like? Carter, anything on launch? If not, I've got, I've got a question for you on strategy related to how do you communicate here in an empathetic, compassionate way, but still want to transact with people with an NDP membership? Bridge that divide for me or bridge that gap. And you may say there isn't one. But either on launch and then talk to me about how you go from authentic, compassionate to buy a membership. Yeah, so I think that brand needs to be the primary focus on the launch. And I don't think anybody wants to build their entire brand around this issue. Mm. I think this is a great issue to sell memberships. I don't think this is a great issue to define your brand on. You could define your brand as children right? Uh, we defined our brand for Redford. Everybody knows this. Uh, mother of young daughter, daughter of aging parents, right? That was the definition of the brand. Obviously, this would fit into that brand. Um, but that's where the launch needs to go. The launch needs to fit into the brand of the overall candidate, not this, not any, any sort of fake fight uh, just to get mm. attention. Uh, and that's what, you know, politics is. It's it's pro wrestling a lot, right? Um, sometimes pro wrestling with consequences. Um, but nonetheless, it's still a lot of theater uh, by bad actors. So that I don't, I don't think the launch needs to fit into that. And, I, and I've, I've, I've cleverly forgotten the second half of your question. How does it transition from compassion, authentic communications to membership sales? Um, I think that it, it's a two-step process. You know, if, if you're a leadership candidate and you're not running a petition site on this, I don't think that you're worth your salt. Uh, and then you flip it over and start looking back and emailing those people and bringing them down your uh, engagement uh, ladder until or your membership funnel, whichever uh, metaphor you choose to use. Corey, same question to you on membership and then two minutes left. So I'll let you guys jam in whatever else you want on this before we move on. Yeah, like I don't think this is actually a a gross or a, a you know I've so I've consulted for and I've I've worked I currently work for a registered charity and you know sometimes when you work for groups like this you often think oh there's something kind of squeamish about asking for money mm. in the in these cases like no you're a charity right like people understand that you are trying to fundraise for a charity. Yes. Yeah, this is not a big deal. And I feel the same way in a political party. Like if you're trying to sell a membership to somebody who is an active, yeah, you're a political party. You go and they're like, oh, I'm so mad about this. Well, we are too. Come join us, right? Like I'm I'm running for leader. Come join us, you know, get involved in this camp. I'd love to have you help me fight on this particular matter. Like it's not hard. Like I don't think you need to overthink this one. Like, yeah, I'm fucking mad. Buy a membership. You know, that's actually... A pretty natural step and i don't think it's gross or calculated it's that's literally why the political party exists it's to right? fight back it's literally the existence Car- so 
you just you just underline that and you say, yeah, that's amen. You know, that's <laughs> that's what we do here. So please join us. Carter, final minute. Anything else you want to jam in into the uh, the NDP uh, scenario before we move on? Yeah, I just want to say that, that, you know, you're going to swing at this pitch this time. You don't have to swing at this pitch all the time, right? Um, you know, you're, you're going to want your primary communication structures to be on brand. If you can incorporate this into your brand, uh, all the power to you. Um, and then you can swing at the pitch more frequently. But I think it's a good pitch to hit. Corey, final thoughts? Yeah, actually, Stevens are great. You, um, you know, this is a moment. This is a leadership race you're in. If they were trying to mess with your race or make you seem like a bunch of extremists in the race, I mean, what the fuck? Who cares? I, look, it's a, an eternal party race, right? Um, don't sweat it too much and certainly don't overthink it. And don't try to play chess with them and not react to it or anything like that. This is why you exist, to my earlier comments. So, you know, remind yourself of that and, and you know, stiffen your spines and, and fight the good fight doesn't mean you are always going to be so cavalier about the gen pop politics of it. And you don't want to walk into every conversation about this, but this is a time for righteous anger. If you're a political party that's in a leadership contest. Nicely done guys. All right, Corey, I'm going to give you the next shot. Do you want to go? We were just chatting about charities. Do you want to go the $50,000 donation to a nonprofit charity and what their advocacy or campaign or whatever looks like uh, over the course of something launching on Monday, which is the scope I've given you? Or do you want to go David Parker, Take Back Alberta, that group meeting tonight, and what they need to do next? Which direction are we going, Corey? Yeah, well, I don't want to end on David Parker, so why don't we do... You know, it's like burying the the bad argument in a in a position paper, right? Let's let's do. We're so lucky we get to do this one. Oh, you are lucky, Carter. Well, Corey, you picked it. I'm going to let you start. Give me your first sort of consideration here. Your first sort of strategic thought. Carter will build on it, and we'll 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 start the clock uh, as soon as you start talking here. Well, I think if you're Take Back Alberta, if you're David Parker, the first thing you need to determine is what you're trying to do at this particular moment. Seems right now what they're trying to do is take a victory lap um, because they're not even seeming to try to push things further. As I said, this is even further than a lot of the the policy recommendations that had come out of the UCP policy convention went. But David Parker right now is going just nuts online. Uh, he had a tweet that I pulled up here as a, after you announced he would be one of our subjects. You're welcome. Here. Yes. Yeah. Teachers of Alberta, you no longer have permission to indoctrinate our children into your ideology. You are legally required to inform parents before teaching their children queer ideology. If you do not inform parents, we will know. Like, every one of these sounds like it's like the edict of, like, you know, some grand inquisitor from a bygone era. And um, he, he just seems to be really quite on the offensive in every sense of the word offensive. Like, he's just offending. He's he's saying, like, you disgust me to people, and I, we're watching you, and we know what you're up to. And by the way, mercifully for Danielle Smith, most of Alberta doesn't follow David Parker's Twitter feed, but, like, has absolutely undercut all of her, you know, attempted compassion in her message there, right? So <laughs> I think um, I, I think he needs to think about what he wants. And, and if all he yeah. wants is to take a victory lap, uh, that's one thing. But if he actually wants to push this further, make Take Back Alberta more mainstream, push the agenda even less mainstream, you know, whatever that definition is, that's step one. Because if you don't know where you're going, you're going to end up somewhere else. And right now, he's just online being a dick. And he's not being a dick for a purpose. And, you know, quite often, he's a dick for a purpose. Right now, it just seems to be like, 
high on what happened, not thinking about the broader strategic considerations. Carter, what's the strategic consideration then that he should start thinking about right now? He should start thinking about, um, you know, what tools he has and what he wants to get next. I mean, this is a guy, he's lost the Alberta pension plan, it would appear. Um, but he has many other areas that he wants to, to try and influence policy. Uh, he got the renewables ban last time. Maybe he wants to aim now to get keep the renewables ban. We got to be getting up to the six month. Uh, they just did a survey. There was a government survey. A bunch of people yep. got on that, by the way, asking a bunch of questions. Yep. So hopefully, you know, we're we're able to move forward off of that. But um, David David Parker, you know, he controls the uh, the UCP board. He controls the rural caucus, and he he has the ability to set the agenda. So what is it that he actually wants to achieve next? Because if this is the pinnacle, then just achieve it. Step down. Like, this is it. This is the ballgame. But I don't think this is the pinnacle for him. I think that he thinks that he can reshape Alberta politics to look like make Alberta, you know, make Alberta great again. I think that there will be red hats for sale this summer that we can— I'll hop on, or maybe they'll be blue because we're Alberta. But nonetheless, all of this to say that this is a guy who's currently re rejigging all of Alberta politics, and he has the power currently, and right now he hasn't overreached. So while you've got the power, if you're David Parker, you've got to figure out how to best apply that power, how to get it to the next level, how to get it to the next level. And that's why things like um, you know abortion rights, uh, per, you know, women's rights, other, you know, other things that, that have been perceived to be off limits. Um, this trans rights discussion opens the door to all of them specific, you know, especially abortion. So we could be seeing an awful lot of, of David Parker's next things coming much, much sooner because you don't want to give up that power over Danielle Smith. Corey, jump in here. And I've got a follow-up question for both of you. Yeah, well, you had asked about David Parker. I turned it into Take Back Alberta. Yeah, fair point. There is a distinction, right? Um, and hmm, is there? You know, one of the things I'd say, Stephen, is by all accounts, Take Back Alberta is not this homogenous group that you've talked about. There, there's like petty, messy bullshit between the founders and the mm. leaders all of the time. You know, people being cut out of WhatsApp groups, all sorts. It's like of classic shit. TechCrunch so, stuff, except it's it's a, yeah. a right wing political group. <laughs> except though. it's a right wing. Yeah. yeah, you're totally right. So. You know, I think if we want to think about what David Parker wants, one of the things might be actually consolidating some of his support within Take Back Alberta, mm -hmm. a movement that, you know, he, you know, doesn't always have the firmest grip on. And, you know, there's also conversations about how much of a firm grip Take Back Alberta has on UCP politics or whether it's more like, you know, common causes intersecting and, you know, everybody's worried about the supporters that back both, right? There's there's many kind of questions here, but there, there might be some kind of consolidation that's possible there as moving forward. The other thing I will say is, I don't know, it's very possible to me that they got more than they asked for on this particular matter because Danielle Smith's about to disappoint their base in another way, mm. right? So if that's I, I'll the be case, curious to see. If that's the case then, Corey, do you not take the victory lap as strongly and as aggressively as you can because you don't know if another one's coming? Or do you try to like extend this victory and thin it out over a longer period of time because you don't know if there's another one coming? I don't know. That's a good question. I, I guess there's 
two schools of thought there, right? One is, again, it depends on your goals. Like if you're trying to show your effectiveness, then yeah, you just sort of take the victory lap. But if you are a true cause politician, if you are actually trying to change the government in big, strong ways, well, then you've got to, you've got to sort of look at this, assess this and say, if this is what's happening, I want to make sure it doesn't happen. So you've got to kind of put people on notice. You've got to remind people of how popular this particular motion was. If it ends up being like, it's super early days and a lot of the commentariat, including ourselves, have obviously come very scathingly down upon this. Yeah. And, um, yeah. and we'll sort of see how it lands, but I suspect it'll still land popular. That's that's my gut. That's my instinct. Um, and so maybe you say, see, Albertans actually want a right-wing approach to things. See? And then, you know, put that pressure on it to make sure that it's not so easy to walk away and make clear that you don't feel sated. Like, this is not enough for me. You know, what's enough is that we actually have a consistent right-wing vision in Alberta or whatever. Carter, you're talking about cons- uh, you're talking about like power building. What's next? Corey's talking about consolidating power. Both excellent points. Can I throw something at you and see if sure. you think this is strategic consideration? How important is it for Parker and TBA to make sure this is as painless for Smith and as celebratory as possible? If they want more victories, do they need to show her that like they're like they're thumbs upping this? They're like going out. They're fighting the war proverbially speaking, against the the left, right? They're minimizing dissent. They're making this a positive outright win. How big of that is, a str- how, how much of that, I guess, is the right way to phrase it, is, the, is that of a strategic consideration for someone like TBA to be like, look, you delivered and we, like, you know, made it as frictionless as possible for, for you to do something difficult, you know, come again sort of thing. How, how big of a, how would you kind of put that in its strategic frame? Or do you even think that's that's not a consideration here? I'm not sure that that's the right play. I think that the play is to make it as painful. You remind her that it could be very, very painful not to do. I mean, this is, this is a, this is a even hostage after, Even take. after she potentially over-delivered? Yeah, this is a hostage-taking, Zane. This isn't some sort of equal... Um, negotiation. She is concerned that the the board is going to call a leadership review that she can't win. Um, that is why, because th- this isn't the Danielle Smith that I know. Corey and I have talked about her in the past. I, you know, I I, I would have considered her a friend. I don't any longer, uh, in no small part because of of what's happening right now. Um, but this is, I I think that this is a true simple power play. And David is going to look at this and, and take back Alberta is going to look at this and say, uh, we've got power now. Um, what should we do with it next? And and that's why I've been very focused on the next achievement, not just mm. how this one unfolds, but what are we going to do next? Because it's never going to be enough for these people. What Danielle does not realize, what I think I realize about this is that she's trying to placate the right. Because the last time she tried to move to the center, she got killed. But what she's going to find is that there is no such thing as placating the right. They're never, ever going to be happy. That is the definition of who they are. And I think that that's not going to change just because um, they want to make it less painful uh, for Danielle to bring in really unpopular. Keep in mind, they think this is very popular. And the, uh, and the numbers maybe support them on that. But... They're doing this. They're doing this to in, in, inflict pain. They're not doing this because um, necessarily just because they ideologically believe it. They do it because they can. 
Corey, do you agree with that? I mean, I've seen enough hostage movies to know that even if it is a hostage scenario, uh, shoot David, the hostage, yeah. you, shoot, you shoot the hostage in the face. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah. before you do that, you sometimes give them a nice meal every now and then. Um, do they play nice for a bit? Do they celebrate? Do they give her some level of adulation? Or are you with Carter here? That this is the only way to keep this going is to keep as tight of a grip and the threat as active um, as as we believe it to be. Uh, probably a combination of both. Mm. Probably public adulation, private threats is the short version of it, right? Because you do want to sort of not create an environment where people say, oh, fuck it, no matter what we do, these guys are at our throats, so we don't need to listen to them anymore. It's actually a lesson I think Alberta needs to learn. A certain responsiveness to events is kind of essential mm. if you want to be bought off, right? If you want to be supported, right? Because if it's all sort of costed in, then everyone's like, yeah. Like, think about Justin Trudeau. There's, he can't, he can't quote unquote buy Alberta. He bought, he spent tens of billions of dollars on a pipeline and people still think he wants to shut down the oil industry for Christ's sake. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So, like, that's just not going to happen. Uh, and you don't want to be in a position where people just feel that way about you, feel the way I'm Constantly. sure Justin Trudeau yeah. does yeah. about, like, you know, any kind of major infrastructure in Alberta. And so, um, yeah, you want to be publicly like, and I think he has been like, this is great. Congratulations, Premier Smith. But privately saying, what's next? What are we going to do now? You know, this is just the start. You got to keep the momentum going. If you're not moving forward, you're being pushed backward. And, you know, we really want to be moving forward. And and I, one of the things that I think we haven't talked about in this context, because we've talked about Take Back Alberta, mm-hmm. we've talked about Danielle Smith, but there's a whole caucus and there's a whole cabinet that I couldn't help but know that weren't actually standing with the premier. They were not today. Now, I don't think that's because they didn't support her. I think that's because they wanted to say the premier's really busy, has to go, and there's no one else to answer questions once the premier goes. Oh, so good right? point. Like when, right, 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 right. Yeah. yeah. But um, I do think that there are probably people who have varying degrees of comfort with what just happened. And so now is also maybe a time to consolidate power, kind of not just deeply, but broadly, and, and increase the number of people who are you know, sort of acknowledging your, your your strength in these areas. Carter, three minutes on the clock. Anything else you want to you talk about? You, I think you've hit on risks nicely. Risk is victory laps, no next steps. What else do you want to hit on? If you're, if you're tonight meeting this group on their Zoom call, as they meet, they celebrate, what else would you put a bug in their ear to make sure they talk about uh, from a strategic standpoint? Well, I would be talking about strengthening the membership. Um, you know, this is, you know, Corey's pointed out the polling. Uh, this is a popular issue. This is a take back Alberta initiative. There's, there's no question of that. So why not go out and try and take credit and uh, strengthen the membership? I'd recommend they do it with less lunacy, um, but they're probably not going to listen to me anyways. So um, this is a great opportunity to build the organization and build the organization also, uh, as Corey's articulated, under the leadership of David Parker, as opposed to under the leadership of uh, the crew or the, the the small collective that was leading it. It's Parker's entity. He's the one who should be taking control of it. And uh, that way we know who we're attacking, too, which is very helpful. Corey, final thoughts on, on TBA, Parker, uh, their their strategy session tonight. What would you what else would you want on the agenda? Yeah, that's enough for them. They've got, we will <laughs> leave them with 13 and a half minutes of strategy, not a full 15. But you know what? That sounds appropriate. Carter, we're moving on to our final one. 
the the nonprofit charity that's got a fifty thousand dollar donation. They need to launch something by Monday. The donors asked for that to happen. Can can we get something? Of course, it's not a hard deadline. They're giving them some time to think about it, but they're maybe huddling their their folks today and tonight, and saying, "Listen, we we've got this. This is an existential threat. This this policy, uh, you know, it's probably going to be a session coming up. Uh, not this particular one, but one down the road, where we have to contend with this." Um, what do we do? Do we spend all the money now? Do we spend it later? What do we do? How do we think about it? What's our strategy? Stephen Carter, I've got 15 minutes on the clock. Can you start with your key consideration for this group as they grapple with how to think about advocacy and campaigning from their particular perch? Well, number one, I'd break this into smaller pieces. Don't go after the whole thing. Uh, This is a parental rights issue. This is a you know, parental rights po- polls well, where do we want to go? Um, I would make sure that I'm not escalating this too far. You know, we don't want to make this about the entire transgender issue. We want to make this about children and protecting children. We want to make sure that people are reminded that uh, responsibility comes with rights. Um, you know, that, that this is a, a tremendous opportunity to re, uh, re-engage parents on, on what it is and how they sh- they should be parenting. Um, I think that there's all kinds of different ways to do it. And I think that the number one thing that I would recommend that they do is test a number of things. Um, you know, all too often we run out with the messaging that we think appeals to us. Um, mm. Just because a message appeals to, to you and me and to, well, probably not Corey because he disagrees with everything. But it's just you know, his it, nature. It, yeah. I mean, he's just unfucking, it's impossible to work with him. Anyways, um, you you have to test. You have to make sure that the, the language that you're using actually applies. So I would set up probably three or four different um, surveys or, you know, uh, petition sites and see which ones perform the best and see what language works the best. And then I would double down on that language and begin a uh, media relations campaign and um, uh a digital campaign trying to find the people who are most likely to sign that petition, uh, mostly to do additional fundraising from the, from the second audience, uh, rather than trying to, you know, rely on large scale donors to carry the organization. Corey, how, how are you thinking about this? Carter's talking about, you know, separating the issues into chunks, uh, media relations, digital advertising, advocacy petitions, uh, growing a database, growing a list, getting yourself ready for the, well, at least a mid-haul, maybe a middle, it's going to be a long haul. You don't really know in terms of how long you're going to have to sustain an effort or a campaign like this. Are you thinking of things on a similar vein, different vein? How, how are you thinking about them? I, I think that's good advice. The focus group stuff in particular, I'm not sure that needs to be one group, but you should be putting a little bit of your money into maybe some coalition research there, getting folks together, understanding how people feel about these issues, how much it takes to move people to different views on this. We've talked about this in a lot of other contexts, but you have to be aware of novel concepts, right? A lot of Alberta hasn't thought about this before. It is, of course, been in the kind of the national conversation for a bit now, but not in any kind of robust way. And here it is here in Alberta in a significant way now. Go find out what people actually think and go find out what it takes to make them think differently. Learn that quickly and then do a lot of that before opinions get ossified and everyone's just decided, well, I've always thought this was a good idea. I have for six months now, 12 months now, whatever it is. Certainly you do not want to wait. 
and for this to take hold as conventional wisdom. So you've got to know what you're working with and you've got to get the data to do that. And for fucking sure, be aware that if you are in a group uh, that is a, you know, a, a small nonprofit that, uh, you know, fights on these issues, your views are almost certainly not going to be mainstream on this particular matter. And so you do need to be able to mm. open your ears and hear those arguments and, you know, not just immediately call somebody a turf or, or whatnot, if you're looking to change opinion, but like actually say, okay, well, let's talk a bit about that. And let's sort of understand and, and bring up some of the stats that Stephen Carter did in these focus groups. Like, well, are you aware, like X percent on the street and, and so on and so forth, or X percent of, you know, youth on the street are transgender and, and just get people to sort of understand the issue with a little bit more nuance and compassion and complexity. And once you've landed that message, then you take that message, whatever you've determined is the thing that is most likely to work. And you use that other 45,000 because I'm stretching my dollars by working with people in your, I'm I'm breaking your rules, Zane. And you do something that is likely to get media interest because 50K is not enough for ads. It is probably enough to start doing the stakeholder work, Stephen said, but I think that there is a lot of people who will be doing that. I think you need to go and you've got to find a way that you can make your point in a big way. Like if, um, if people are really kind of captured by the idea, could children have died because of this in the past and children will now die at a higher rate? I mean, I don't know, go for shock. Like say, you know, we've put a documentary together where we're going and interviewing people about what it was like when they told their parents who they were very concerned wouldn't accept them about what it was. And then smash cut to a bunch of, you know, tombstones for fuck's sake of, of people who are no longer with us because everything went really badly. And maybe it wasn't their parents that did it, but they were on the street. They were all of a sudden addicted to drugs or whatever the fucking story might be. And and the point is there's serious fucking stakes here. Mm. And there are real yeah. lives that are going to be damaged. And I think people need to be hit in the face with this because again, otherwise it's just like, yeah, I should know what my kid's up to. And by the way, the idea that there is basically two things that might happen, one total acceptance by your parents or two, you know, you might have to call protective services on them is just so fucking offensive and insane, right? Like there, oh, there are you mean, so you many mean You're going back to the premier's remarks here. I'm yeah, going yeah, back yeah, to yeah. the premier's Sorry, remarks yeah. here. Like, they, like there, there are going to be parents who will be accepting, but they're not ready yet. And the kids know that. And they need some space to talk it out and think about it. And even maybe sort of workshop the way they're going to introduce this to their parents. There are going to be parents who are dead opposed, but they're not going to hit you right? They're just going to create an environment where your life is hell. And there is just so much gray in between here. And, uh, you know, it's just, I, I find it just offensive. The idea that you would just say like, well, call, you know, call protective services or, or something. To that. Yeah, we're going we're to make that more robust or whatever she yeah. said, you know, it's, yeah. it's, it's, yeah, it's exactly. going to be better than anyways. That was an aside. Well, I, I don't worry. I pause the clock for you to do the aside because because I'm people. I think he wasted people, my time. No, I pause. You no, know, he he just jumped in again and he wasted my time. That's what he does. Find your what core message and blow it up using whatever tactics you have that can grab attention. Carter, this is interesting to me. I'm glad we're having this particular discussion because we've almost had three very different discussions on strategy. This one's kind of actually leading a bit more tactical, but I think interesting tactical to me, which is I think you both have, you're not saying different things, but you're kind of saying slightly different things, right? And let me pick up pick on one of Corey's uh, uh, points to illustrate that. Right, Carter's talking about like, Organ- not organic, but like slow, methodical list building versus shock value, right? And in Carter, in our world, we'd call that conversion versus, you know, outright reach frequency brand related stuff, right? Whatever you kind of want to put in that bucket. Corey probably has better words, more accurate words. Um, 
Are you thinking about shock at all? Are you thinking about big? Or are you thinking about like, let's like extend this dollar as much as we can be methodical. The only asset we have is who we have in terms of an email database and who we can reach out to and then grow from there. Or are you saying, you know what, let's take a, a bit of a flyer. And, and let's try to go go big with limited resource. And this is why I kind of gave you guys a 50 grand budget because yeah. I didn't want to make it like, you know, impossibly high or impossibly low. It's like it's a, a realistic number that someone might get in their bank for a campaign on the heels of what we've seen uh, over the course of uh, the last couple of days. Corey's talking about changing people's minds. I'm not interested. I'm not interested in changing people's mm. minds. I'm interested in finding people that already agree with certain premises, not necessarily all of my premises. Um, you know, that's one of the interesting things about doing this the way that Danielle Smith did it. I can probably find uh, two or three of those elements that go to a audience that I can find them to, and get them to believe and, and buy into what I'm saying. I don't have to get them to buy into all 11 different items. I can get them to buy into a small subset of them. And so because of that, I can change the, me- the mechanism or change the numbers. 70% may feel one way, but because I'm able to dig in, I can get the 70% going the other way. And that's, you know, gay marriage is one of those things. They gave up on, you know, the, the, the LGBT community really dug in on gay marriage and it made, and, it, and they made a very simple argument. They made that the argument on equality and fairness. And people really value equality and fairness. How do we make sure that this is an equality and fairness issue, right? Stay away from trans sports, probably right? Probably stay away from certain elements of what was discussed. Not because we don't value it. Not because we don't value it. But because others don't necessarily value it as we do. And we can't change people's values. It's just, it's nearly impossible to do. Corey, do you, do, what were your thoughts on that? And Carter's saying, don't really care about changing minds. Yeah. Um, normally, I would agree with him on that. But I think that the difference on this particular matter here is I don't think the ground's firm yet. I think that there is still opportunity to shape this issue. And yeah, I'm, let's be realistic. I don't think you're getting from 60-20 to 60-20 the other way. But if you can even move that to kind of a 50-30 issue by just hitting people with a framing that speaks to those values Stephen's talking about, and don't just let sort of the government define this, and don't just let the discourse define it for a while, and the incrementalism define it, and, the, and groups who say, like, I agree with part of this, but I think this goes too far, but actually kind of throw a softball across the field and say, no, we're playing the game over there, fuckers, right? We are going to talk about dead kids or whatever it is, I I think is um, there's a place for that. And when you talk about an ecosystem of of people who support a cause, broadly speaking, there are going to be the incrementalists and the revolutionaries. And we haven't really defined what one this group is, but I think all other things being equal at the very start of an issue revolutionary is underrated, right? Like, I think a lot of people's instinct in the face of a new thing like this is to say, well, let's find something common. Let's find that equal ground, you know, because that tends to be the thing that works when the issue is locked and you've got to start, uh, you know, moving those chains slowly. But when an issue isn't locked, go big, right? It's not locked yet. And maybe it will be locked in a month and probably it will be locked not to your favor, but just try to move it big now do your air game before your ground game. Um, you got a chance at this moment. You got a chance to define things. I've got I've got one very specific question for both of you, which might take a quick minute, and then I've got a follow up question on something both of you suggested. 
Carter, okay. how directly are you going after the premier? I think that she's a negative personification. I'd go after her very strongly. Corey, how negative are you going after the premier on, on something like this? I don't know. Um, her overall approval numbers are fine. They're not terrible. They're not great. You know, it's basically like the level of radiation at Chernobyl. It's a, it's a reference, you know, for anybody who likes oh, a good really HBO good. miniseries yeah, I, yeah. I like or, or a yeah. piece of history, you know, because <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> hold on. Did that actually? Oh wow! Yeah, that Holy, shit. Holy shit! We'll we'll educate okay. you afterwards. Yeah, Corey, Jesus Christ, man. boy! All right, that sounds like it'd be a really bad thing, you know, yeah. like having an explosion like that in a nuclear reactor, Zane. Which is why we're but all the, oil and gas, trill baby, trill, Corey. The metaphorical nuclear reactor explosion here in Alberta um, is, uh, you know, it, it's not clear to me that she's the easiest or best villain or even that you need her to be the villain, frankly, because of the first two minutes of her video, right? She has shown that she can talk about these issues in a way that for public consumption will not make her come off as a fire-breathing lunatic. And again, I go back to the thing I said about you've got to focus group these things. And I think one of the things you focus group is the premier's position and all of this and how people feel about it. Not the caricature of the premier, the real premier. Show them that two minutes, right? That best mm -hmm. two minutes. Give them the best version of her. Make your counter arguments. See how they feel about her then. And if they still feel fine about her, maybe she's not your villain in this story right this this picks up on exactly what what i wanted to, to to hit on Corey. your your last statement here which is message testing carter both of you in some way shape or form have advocated for yeah. this but yeah. i also want to right size this to a, a, a charity who's talking about this tonight trying to figure out what to do they've been motivated through they've been motivated to act and and someone on the call let's say it's steven who jumps in says we should do message testing um we've been in these conversations right where where a group is like uh, but message testing, how, where, what? Carter, like, can you explain how, where, what, but also the why and, and why it's so important, even with such a small, and relatively, 50000 is a lot of money, but in this world of, of advertising, reach, yeah. et cetera, such a small budget. Yeah, we're not going to do a full message testing survey. We're going to do probably an informal, a couple of informal focus groups, and then I would throw up uh, essentially different pages because web pages are cheap now right throw up you you, you know you've, your group's got a website already throw up four different landing pages put uh you know some ads together throw five thousand dollars into the ads and see which ones perform the best which ones do we actually get the most engagement with this is pretty old school stuff it's just a b testing times four like it's not it's not complicated and you can test really radical things and then narrow it down because you you can keep changing the text to see how things are are performing this is not a um this doesn't need to be expensive it just needs to be done Corey, it's a great point. do you agree with with yeah. everything carter's put on the table I, look message testing if you have a huge budget sort of begins with creating some mock creative and having focus groups and maybe doing some broader quantitative research once you've kind of mm -hmm, felt a little mm -hmm. bit more comfortable if timelines allow. In fact, if you're waiting for Monday, as is in this scenario, probably time doesn't allow, but he's, he's exactly right. You can create five messages today that are orthogonal and make five different arguments here. And you can A-B test them all on a platform like Facebook with an audience that you think needs to be moved, 
right? Or based on your research, because there is now research, like we know which groups are sort of on the fence on these things and whatnot. You can go put it to them and you can see what seizes them. What are they clicking on? What are they actually looking at? Are they staying on those landing pages you create that make your argument more in long form? Are they clicking through to anything else? That kind of stuff can be spun up fairly quickly these days if you've got some talented people and you've got motivation. And I think... um, I, I think that's not a bad idea at all. And frankly, more groups should take actions like that, especially again, as I say, at a moment like this before everybody's so firmed up. Yes, right? on, so on this file. or on, Just see where everybody is and, and see if you can move them. Carter, last 90 seconds on this particular scenario. Risks, considerations, anything you want to jam in here as final advice to this group? Yeah, I mean, just don't communicate to yourself. You know, we were talking earlier about communicating, you know, the the NDP leadership candidates could communicate to their small groups. That's not your job when you're the nonprofit. You're not just going to be talking to your own existing membership. You have to reach outside of that membership and, and have a bigger play because this is a super important issue and making sure that you've got uh, a bigger coalition is ultimately going to pay off later. Um, to, to Corey's point, I'm not, I'm still not necessarily convinced I'm doing a, a, you know, a big splashy thing, you know, that, that makes big in, impact, but I do like the, the idea of it, figuring out who you can talk to, figuring out the bigger and, and bolder audience is ultimately going to pay significant dividends. Corey, final word to you on this, uh, any final considerations, any final thoughts for this group as they, as they sprint towards trying to get something off the ground? I'm I'm going to repeat because it's so important. You are not talking to yourself, right? A group, uh, especially at a moment like this, where you are feeling some, as I'd say to my kids, some big feelings, right? You gotta, you gotta remember what you're trying to do here, which is either some version of incrementalism or some version of really reframing things. But either way, you're already with you. You're talking about people that by definition are not. And so you've got to find some arguments that work for them. Nicely done, guys. Three scenarios out of the way. Carter, any reactions to what we just did? Because we're done. No, I'm, uh, I'm super tired. Oh, you know, uh, it's, it's well <laughs> after 10. Uh, you know, I don't I don't even know how I stayed up this late. I think you did it. I think you did it. Corey, I, I think you, you did just fine as well. Uh, but of course, not as good as Carter. I hope you enjoyed your, your ginger drink with your Capri It Sun. was good. Yeah, that's fine. Yeah, we're gonna, ginger. We're going to leave it there. That's a wrap on episode 1282 of The Strategist. My name is Zane Velger. With me, as always, Stephen Carter, Corey Hogan. And we will, of course, see you next time.